0: That's N-O-O-M to sign up today.
1: You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everyone. It is Wins Above Fantasy episode 87. We have a special release here on Saturday, February 18th. And it is a momentous show, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a a trick up our sleeve, but we are going to be talking about pitch level value, the uh, latest and greatest metric rolled out during PitchCon. And we have a special guest to talk about it as well. I'm Van Burnett, joined as always by Steve Giswell. You guys can follow us on Twitter at WinsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore verified. Steve is at Stav8818. Steve, I think we're pumped for the show, pumped for, you know, February kind of hopefully coming to a close here quickly. We can get into March baseball before we introduce our esteemed guest. How's it going over there, man? Yeah, it's good. Um, I am fully
2: recovered from being sick, which was which was nice. I think the this, this start of spring training, like cured me like the day that that happened uh i automatically felt better just to to see baseball was in the air and then of course five minutes later it was announced that jacob DeGrom got hurt but whatever uh i guess that means it's baseball season officially right like that was the the joke going around twitter today but it's great you know football is officially over and you know you see all the tweets it's now baseball season it's become like a cliche but it it is like you know we have we have spring training like I am going down to Florida in a week and a half, and I will be attending a spring training game. So, wow. I cannot wait.
1: Yeah, and then you'll you'll come back, and it'll be even warmer and closer. It's like going to the the bathroom at the restaurant, and then your food's back when you return. You know, it's a yeah, a, yeah. It's, it's a, a, it's a nice it's a
2: nice surprise. Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess we'll we'll segue from that colorful conversation to introduce a special guest, ladies and gentlemen, because here we are in episode eighty seven. And this is a a guest that we have uh, met with many times. We have podcasted a few times, but never on Winsbub Fantasy. He's a man who, uh, you know, has a lot to do with Pitcher List in that it it is uh, his baby and his Twitter handle. And I don't know why I'm doing such a drum roll when you guys know from the show title that we have (laughs) Mr. Nick Pollock on. Nick, great having you on. Welcome to the show.
3: What is happening? Oh, it's so nice to be here. I, I you, you said this was the first time I was on here, and I still don't quite believe that. Honestly, uh, it doesn't seem. Well, right. we've been on
1: yours for many yeah. uh, PL. We've I mean, talked to you guys drafts, so many but, times. You know, so I know it.
3: I but I, know it's an honor to be here. I'm excited to talk about everything uh, fantasy.
1: Well, it, it's great having you, Nick. And I think you know we we're still figuring out because we're creeping up on episode 100, and we're like, we got to do something cool. We had talked about possibly having you on for episode 100. And now I feel like we're still getting a great occasion because we're here to talk about PLV, you know, what the metric is, what makes it unique, how the whole process has been. And of course, for all of our listeners who are wanting some, some draft nuggets and, and some player analysis, we'll talk about some guys as well. But Nick, just talk about your world because PL8 has launched, PitchCon is in the rear view, you're still extremely busy this time of year, but how's life man steve and i were just talking about how the clouds are kind of parting for us uh give us the the personal nick pollock rundown this here. is the best time of the year uh
3: it's you know as we all prepare for the season ahead it's all about the hype of what's to come right and uh, we just get to talk and dive into everything i've been doing this on my own since so november but now everyone else is doing it too and then you see stuff from spring training you get News like Jacob DeGrom being hurt, you know, and Frankie Montes needing surgery and all that fun stuff. But soon we get to see actually guys maybe throwing harder in the spring and uh, little bits here and there about how we move our pieces for drafts and what the ideal strategy is. We go back and forth, who are our, our guys and who isn't. And then it's this massive anticipation for that first day when it all gets thrown out the window and it's so much fun. I, I, uh, it, I say to all my friends, March is the best month of the year. Cause it's the peak of that hype and anticipation and everyone else hates March. They think it's so stupid. And I'm like, no, it's the best time. And we're so close to it. So I, I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I hope you guys are too.
2: I couldn't agree more, Nick. Uh, I, I love March. My, my few, of my friends in college, like we just had like a running joke about how March was always the best month. Like, all the sports are going on. Obviously, not yeah, football, March but Madness too, yeah. March Madness. March Madness. Baseball is about to start. Like basketball like and hockey are getting into. Yeah, the Masters are coming up. Oh, basketball God and hockey no, are in, like well, close one, to the man. playoffs. It's it's great. It's great. But I, I agree, and I I just you know remember what you said like in, in the beginning of your pitch concert, uh, um, presentation, like pacing on your roof, uh, you know, thinking of these <laughs> things in the middle of the pandemic, like that's kind of how I feel like without baseball it's just like pacing around waiting for yeah. it to happen and then and then it finally does and you get all these drafts and it's just it's just so much fun March is is definitely my favorite month of the year I, I couldn't agree more
1: well the question is Nick that I have for you I, I keep prodding at this you know the the how busy your schedule is is do you take the foot off the pedal slightly knowing that you know pitchcon, the site launch net, like now can you really focus to your personal, you know, research and no. articles?
3: I mean, what, what happened? I mean, yes and no, like that's kind of right. I, I now have like, I think I have 10 things I have to put out before the start of the season. Um, from like the overall to my sleepers and busts for starters and so on and so forth. Uh, but I mean, that's kind of fun. I'm going to be live streaming some of that creation as well and their updates and all this stuff. I, uh, but, really, for me, I don't know, in the business of fantasy baseball, it's kind of like how it is in fantasy football, where you have like three, four months where it's Mm gung-ho, right? Um, For us, it's really February, March, April, May is where like kind of like April 15th, April 20th, you know what the season is like. And then it's just kind of cool, let's do this routine. And that's kind of where I settle into that. I feel most comfortable during the year, personally. And then it's about uh, I mean, I'm already starting the design doc for PL10, if you can believe it. Sorry, it's, it, that's next year. It's PLX. We're skipping nine. Like every cool tech company, there was no nine <laughs> iPhone. There was no Windows 9. Uh, and technically, it is the 10th year of Pitcher Gifts, Inc. So, uh, so it'll be PLX next year. And I'm already doing that design doc. So like that's, you know, I want all that stuff done, ready to go June 1st. And I can
1: kind of relax for a moment there. Yeah. Well, from from PLX to PLV. That is the name <laughs> of the game for, for tonight's show. And we're really excited, Nick, because we were joking kind of before we, we started the podcast that, you know, this is kind of the this uh, you know, almost the classic rollout strategy where it's like there is a little bit of that the buzz around it. I think you guys put out some sneak peeks. Then PitchCon, you and you and Kyle Bland did the the full show and rundown, you guys can go check that out on YouTube. If you look up PitchCon PLV, it's kind of the, the primer on everything. And I know you're working on an article right now, it, but you, you've kind of shared some of the data out. Steve and I were were looking around at the podcast, and we think this might be the first time you've had kind of the live Q&A session. Is that a, a fair assessment? That is, yes. I, I did one with,
3: with Kev, the rot- rotosurgeon, a little bit. Um, But I haven't really jumped in as much as, you know, like this article is going to and what I plan to. So this will be the first one. I am putting out a primer podcast. It's just me. It's like explaining it to everybody. Essentially, I want you to have an understanding of PLV from three areas, right? You have the video if you want that. You have the article on the site if you want that. And then the podcast if you want that, right?
1: Beautiful. So I'll have those things. But no, I haven't had a proper Q&A yet. Well, this is right on brand for us because you know uh, throughout the last couple seasons, we had our our t l d r segment, which was essentially me and Steve playing the common man and trying to wrap our head around things like seam shifted wake or oh, yeah. alex chamberlain's uh you know uh, pitch leaderboard, yep. yeah, but yeah, vertical pro angle our attack yep. angle, and and so this one it will kind of structure the same way for all our, of our listeners, uh, a broad Q&A with, with Nick up front, and then on the back half of the show, we'll talk about some guys that might be impacted, do a little live analysis looking at some of the spreadsheets and everything. But uh, Steve, before we kind of fully dive in, as I like to do, give me your two cents on kind of the topic in general, how you came across this and some of the things that you found kind of cool about it knowing that we're still wrapping our arms around it. I just
2: think it's such a cool idea. And, you know, obviously go out, watch those those two um, videos from PitchCon. Uh, there was basically explaining what PLA is with, with Kyle Bland, like, like you said before, and then like the practical use video. And obviously we have Nick on to, to do this, but my two biggest takeaways were, after I after I heard it, it's like what wait why weren't we doing this the whole time like right? we have we have these inputs and we have these projection systems that okay we use past outcomes and events and things that happen to predict future events. But we have all this data now that can get super, super granular and go to hey uh, the pitch level. Uh, that's why it's PLV, I guess. That's a uh, that's some that's some good acronyms there. That's I, I know that that's your your pride and joy there, Nick. That's just you know <laughs> it, it, it's a simple and subtle genius. You know I, I remember I, I, oh. like yeah.
3: So happy that I could yeah. stick in pitcher list inside of PLV. Exactly. I was it's so it's thrilled about it.
2: It's unbelievable what you're able to do with that sort of stuff and how your mind works that way. I I mean that wholeheartedly. It's <laughs> it's it's actually impressive. Um, but we have all of this pitch level data and things and 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 you know obviously guys a lot smarter than me like Kyle and yourself like can break it down and apply machine learning and get the formulas and the data. Why don't we use those things for projections, for uh, an ERA estimator, for assigning a value to not only a pitcher, but to a batter and, you know, outcomes and predict them that way rather than use events that there could be so many different factors that led to player X hitting 40 home runs one year and then 18 homers the next year like you know maybe there was a wall that year or, or or whatever you know that was before a stadium had a had a had a building built outside of it that affected the wind flow and and right, right. it made their home ballpark easier and they got five home runs because of that whatever if we if we can eliminate all that noise and use that data like we're obviously going to get a better tool and a better system to to predict these things and like you know it's hard to be predictive right like I find myself best in in fantasy outside of the draft honestly I've never really considered myself a good drafter I've been shrewd with pickups and and trades and things like that not that I'm you know tooting my own horn for how good I am it's it's hard to draft just because you know I could get caught up in shiny new toys or, or certain projections but if we're able to do that better I think that's such a powerful and like Mm -hmm. unlimited tool. And like, if this is just the first version of it, like it's, it's only going to get better. It's just, you know, uh, like my first point, like, why weren't we doing this (laughs) for a long, long time? Yeah.
1: And, and, And that's, and that's what I thought was so cool too, hearing Nick, that obviously you've got the site. There's so much work you're doing on like a, you know, day to day basis to have your eye on the big picture. And you guys have been working on this for like three years. It's gotta be super fulfilling to see it rolled out so we're super excited to to get into it and and with that i think steve hopefully got got the attention of the listeners of why were we not always doing this so without further ado nick the the toughest question and one that we've joked in the past on the tldr uh, podcast it doesn't do it justice to try to do the explain it to my grandma version of this but to your best ability, can you summarize uh, what PLV is for our listeners? Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I've actually like paced in my kitchen trying
3: to figure out the exact way I should be saying this on podcasts. The elevator um, speech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just 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 very quickly. And at its core, um, what PLV does is nothing dissimilar from like pitching bot or pitching plus. It's a pitch quantifier. It just gives a number to a pitch i can go into more detail about how it does that but what's really cool about plv for us is that it essentially answers the question was this a good pitch or a bad pitch Mm -hmm. and by answering that question instead of looking at the entire season of spencer strider's fastballs we can say is that a good or bad pitch in a singular moment and that lets us analyze everything way differently we can say yes that was a home run but it was off of a meatball or you threw an, a perfect change up down away and mike trout hit it for a home run and you shouldn't be negatively uh impacted by that you shouldn't have been but you were um we can do things like you threw so well this game and you allowed seven more hits than our model predicted that's a better version of Babip. You get BABIP, and it's it's like you don't understand what the normalization is. But if you just look at only the pitch and say these were good pitches and these are bad pitches, it unlocks this entire suite of stat applications that we aren't before. And I, I really want to make this clear: of this is a a first step for us. Um, again, I'm not saying that this is better than pitching plus. I'm not saying it's better than pitching, but it's a different way. We use a lot of the same things. We know that other MLB organizations have quantifiers as well what we're doing is utilizing it at such a granular level and applying it differently that at its heart the raw grade that we give is the least important thing it's about how we use that seed to then create these other metrics to have a different narrative about what happened so we're really excited about this it's the first step we're just kind of you know we had to get that seed good you know we had to make it right for a long time to make sure that we trusted that and then allows us to do fun things like, yeah, projections that we're putting out next week that are way different. They are like so many people are going to look at them and go, mm, this is kind of wild. <laughs> and they go, I know, but that's the point. We're not doing a reg- mean to, you know, a regression to the mean analysis. Mm-hmm. We're doing, hey, these are the pitches that were thrown. And these are the hitters that did this right off of these pitches. And it's going to say like, yeah. He was really good, and he's going to do, you know, I think we have Judge at, like, 57 home runs or something. And everyone goes, that's ridiculous. He just had, like, a historic season. I'm like, yeah, but he deserved to have a 62 home run season. You know, like, he did these things that we expected him to do. So uh, I think it's something crazy like that. might be a little bit more dropped down now, but the point of the matter is you're going to see ridiculous numbers in some ways. And instead of just blanketly, like, just trusting ours, we're like, hey, ours are good but they're more aggressive and if in the context of the other projection systems this is a very helpful thing and that's a cool cool thing because it just does it from a different angle so for sure. i'm excited about this it opens the door for so many different ways of analysis and it's just kind of the year of us exploring all the different ways of using it
1: yeah that's a great way to to kind of preface all of this and i think we're going to get into some specific questions about how you would advise people use it. I mean, I I think we know that across the bevy of resources out there, usually the best approach is to look at everything and start piecing a puzzle together. Um, But before we get into some of those specific questions, I got to ask Nick, because I know it's been years in the making. And if we could get to the origin story, Steve talked about it a little bit of like, why haven't we always been using this? Was there kind of a moment for you or something that kind of led to that initial spark? I know in your presentation you put up the original, uh, I think it was like the golden formula, and you're like, this is not the golden formula. But what, what led to that? Did you see like a check swing that was like, that should not be a swinging strike? Or was oh, there, was there anything, was or did it just kind of develop P-Val, over time? P-Val,
3: man. P-Val sucks. <laughs> Sorry. It ju- it just bothers me so I much. have
2: never – that is, like, the strongest curse word I've ever heard you say. Yeah, like, that, that is the how most I know aggressive how, That's that how been. I know how
3: and, and, passionate
2: you feel about that.
3: <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. It's yeah. a very simple thing of saying, like, this event happened, and this pitch was the initial impetus of it. Thus, we're going to assign it to to that value and essentially PVA, all it does is saying i mean actually in many ways surprisingly raa that is runs above average that StackCast uses i think does the same thing and really bothered me because they're like no you guys have contact numbers use the contact numbers <laughs> right yeah. they're but, right um, on your page they're, yeah. they're right there i know they're, they're I, I was on so the shocked. page i like i was i was using this in, with that assumption and i tried to like it was really hard to find the direct information about it but then it just said like, yeah, no it's just the the result i'm like what because those things p-val if you don't know them they're quantifiers they say look this sinker was thrown and the result was a single thus it was a bad pitch mm-hmm. because they allowed a single which inherently like makes sense you know generally it's going to be more right than wrong of like you throw the best pitches and you generally should have good outcomes and and if you throw bad pitches you get bad outcomes but i would watch games and like that was an amazing pitch and it would just get hit, and all of a sudden it's a negative thing. And uh, I would see this all the time, but he had a P-Val of this on it. And I'm like, that is just the results. That's like, that that is not right. It's just, you know, we know better than that. Mm-hmm. And it, it bothered me immensely. So I was, you know, I remember my, my whole process of pitching analysis, like discovering all of Pitch FX was such an eye-opening thing that I didn't really know about until like 2016. Thank you, Enosaurus. And I, but then I saw this PVAL thing. I was like, well, this is stupid. (laughs) And it just kind of started this whole trend for me of like PVAL is fine, but it's not really the answer. Um, And I knew I couldn't really do anything about it because I didn't have any of this data. And slowly and surely, we were actually able to get our hands on better and better data. Now we have StatCast data, right? So I... So finally, we had that situation. Like, all right, I'm. It's not cheap, by the way, to get this data. It is not cheap. We always had to do it the right way. We never wanted to scrape it. We never wanted to do anything illegal. That like we wanted to do above board always, especially if we're doing something like this. So it took some time for that. We finally got it, and I was like, okay, how on earth do we do this now? <laughs> and uh, how do we frame it? And this is a really tough question. Yeah. And uh, it's part of the reason why it took so long, is because creating a formula that really works is difficult. It is so, so, so difficult. And we approached it from one angle of um, my golden formula. That was what I thought was finally a frame of reference to be able to give a grade to a pitch. Essentially said, if there is no contact made, um, we have to do the prediction of balls and called strikes and swinging strikes and fouls, right? Or essentially like not in play, right? How good is that? You know how good is one side, and then the other side is if the ball's in play. How do we grade if that's good or not? And then there's the idea of like the the expected will bacon threshold of like when it's below this, that means it's good for the pitcher. The pitcher would like take a bet saying if that's the expected will bacon on something, I want that to be in play, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. We we estimate like two fifty or three hundred or something. Mm-hmm. But that was what we thought the golden formula was, and. Eventually, I went, we went through a lot of different iterations of this. Colin Charles is like my hero for from the very beginning, working on this with me. And honestly, we could have put something out of POV like two years ago if we wanted. And it wouldn't have been bad. It just wouldn't have been what we really wanted, right? And uh, And then, you know, I talked to uh, people who were now in organizations. We worked with Cameron Grove for two years for two months. Cool. who did such a good job of transferring it from from this kind of weighted system to run values and utilizing uh, a method um, that then Kyle Bland adapted on and really solidified when he came on the team in June of last year. Pretty much I hired him saying, like, you need to finish PLV. And he did it in three months. And unbelievable. Um, And at its core, and I want to get this out there, the core of how PLV does this makes all the sense in the world, okay? We run a prediction model. It's machine learning throws in all these variables from like movement to release point, spin, all the things that you would think of. Velocity, location, the handedness of the batter and the pitcher, which is important. You throw a slider is going to be more effective to a righty than a lefty or vice versa based on your handedness and their handedness. And also the count. And I didn't want to include like. The um like its base is loaded and this event happens. Like that's stupid. That's not the pitch, that's just that. But an O2 slider is different than a 1-0 slider. Okay, so that was important to yep. distinguish that. Um, and then what it does is it says, This is the expected WOBA. We know this of all counts, the generalized WOBA of every count. And then we take the pitch that's thrown in that count, and we have our own prediction model to say, based on this pitch. This is the expected woba of the of the pitch itself in this count, and then we compare it to what the, the woba was. So what's the difference essentially created by this pitch of the woba? It's a really cool idea mm-hmm. of like if we think it's a ball, it's going to go from an expected woba of like three six to I don't know four ten or something because it's a one o count to a two o count, mm-hmm. and there you go, it's 0.5, right? Uh, I mean that's an ultra simplification, but that's essentially what it's doing. And then, oh no, we think this is going to be a swing strike when that goes from a 1-0 count to a 1-1 count. Oh, we think it's going to be in play and it's an out. Well, then that's like the zero, you know? Uh, But there's all these weights assigned to every single probability and everything like that to smush it all together into one expected WOBA. And then you have some ridiculous formula that converts that WOBA difference into a run value. What is the amount of runs that changes, right? And that's it. That's all the PLV is. We're done. I know that sounds like, everything but it's simple that's it i uh, and then from there it's all about scaling and we just have our scale of zero to ten because i feel like that's way simpler you know that it's a plv 10 that's an amazing thing or a, a one and that's clearly bad and that's just way simpler than every other percentile uh, and I, I know that you just
2: whatever. had your rant about how horrible pval was yes. but the one thing that i did like about it is that it was just a simple sum number, right? Yeah. Like I would put the, you know, the qualification or, you know, just say, hey, take this with a grain of salt. It's, it's P-Val. It's like accounting stat kind of thing, yep. but his P-Val was, you know, negative 19 on this pitch and,
3: you know. Right. Seems bad. Yeah.
2: Th- yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, it was positive on fastballs for this header. Right. So yeah, that's good. It's an easy way to look at it. So the fact that this is on like a zero to ten scale, it's like okay, hey, like this is pretty easy to consume. I I think that that is just as important as yeah. what actually goes into it. Because if it was this complicated thing to look at or, or to see, that's tougher to consume or, or 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 to use. The fact that it is on that easily digestible scale, I think is great.
3: Yeah, it's uh oh. I actually have a part of the article that's my small mini tangent on scales because I think it's something we wrestle with a lot. We might still change it because um, right now <laughs> the average is
1: five. I was um, just about to say DeGrom with a, a 5.6 next to him is, is the only thing that, you know, I feel like DeGrom should start the scale at just like a nine. Right. 8. It should be like a nine point yeah, seven or something, that's right? True. Yes.
3: And I actually yes. – I agree with you. Um, I think that's actually – if we are going to change it, it would be more to the extreme of uh, – look, I'll put it this way. Most pitchers are going to sit between 4.5 and 5.5. That's actually the thresholds of what we call quality pitches or bad pitches um, is right there. And then if it's underneath that, it, it is a bad pitcher or quality pitch. That's the bucket we have for that. And I don't love the fact that all these numbers are kind of shoved together. And In the that's middle, actually yeah. why we created yeah. PLA which is really nice of right. yeah. an ERA scale for you to quickly identify like, oh, that's a 1.8 ERA relative pitch. That's really intuitive. You know that scale already. That's great. Everyone knows that. Baseball stat people are not. You know, not baseball stat people don't know the WRC plus scale. It's unfortunate. It took me a moment. Mm-hmm. And to say like, oh, yeah, that's relative to a 2.7 ERA. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. That's, yeah, that's great. That's helpful. Um, so we're still messing around with that. It's early enough that we can do that and be like, guys, it's just going to be this. You'll learn it in a week, <laughs> you know, and that'll be that you'll mm-hmm. readjust. Yeah. That'll be fine. Um, but I th- yeah, we had a negative three to three scale for that same reason. You're talking Steve of, we want to have pitches that are negative to showcase that. Right. Mm-hmm. We also have total PLV. Um, it's why that's not zero to 100. It's zero to 10 because those numbers were going to be like super high. Every pitch gets like a 90 or something. Then like, you're gonna have like thousands and thousands and thousands, right? Um, we might make a uh, total PLV over 100 to to make that more like a PVAL scale, yeah, um, and a more easier accumulation. Like we're doing the the PVAL, dra- sorry, we would normally do the PVAL draft every year, which is our mm-hmm. like favorite best ball uh, pitcherless draft where we draft individual pitches. We're gonna do a PLV one this year, and uh, I might do it over 100 just to keep it all nicer for us and stuff like a million at the end of the year or something like that
1: well either way the the scales are are great because they don't let me fall into the the pit of ranger suarez's run value being a minus 21 on his sinker uh so (laughs) that's my uh bad segue to uh before we we dig in deeper on this our first ad break and we'll be right back
0: most weight loss programs are short-term fixes But the problem is, managing your weight needs a long-term solution. And that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow That's NOom.com to sign up for your trial today. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices And why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part you decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com. That's n o o m.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: Okay, so Nick, we we talked a lot about kind of the process, some of the weights, and I think, you know, you've kind of covered it in here to some extent, but just so we can kind of hit the question directly, In your words, what sort of elements, whether, I mean, I know you walked through all of kind of the factors that go into it with like the batter handedness, um, you know, the count, I think seems like it's pretty unique. It's got some of the stuff related things like vertical, horizontal movement, but compared to some other pitch quantifiers, is there something PLV incorporates that's specifically different or unique than, than other models that are out there? I can't quite speak to that because... um, You haven't done the formulas of all all of the (laughs) other
3: ones. Well, yeah, I don't know the other ones as much. I mean, I know elements of it. I I know that we're similar in many ways. Like, for example, our system uh, does compare a breaking pitch to the fastball, as uh, Pitching Plus does. Um, There are a lot of elements that go into it. Uh, Why a machine learning algorithm is going to settle on what it does is, um, you know, that's the mystery of the AI, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of how that works. Um, but what I can say is that our weights, I believe, are different in the fact of we're only taking into account and handedness and as far as the context goes. Uh, so, again, there are going to be things that are different from others. I can't really speak to how. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, But, yeah, I mean, as far as what weights... Of the variables, uh, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many different things involved with what makes a pitch a pitch. Um, and we, yeah, we throw them all in there and see what happens.
1: So, is there any, you talked about some of the earlier, I guess, models that you guys, I'd imagine, did kind of a stress test and then you refine and you kind of look at what it spits out and you refine. Yeah. Was there anything that, um, you can talk about that was kind of tweaked yeah you know we we need more of this or we need less of this sure
3: one of the things that we kept having a problem with was way too much of an emphasis on called strikes uh and not really weighing in like yeah you can just throw a pitch in the zone and but it will get destroyed uh and waiting in like three zero pitches as the most successful plv pitch right Mm-hmm. which is just, well, no, we can't do that. No one's sweet. <laughs> uh, obviously, yeah. we expect it to be a cold strike every time, but we can't do that, right? Uh, so things like that, we've had to s- consider how we're weighting X, Y, and Z. Um, it's still going to be a good PLV pitch in a three O count. That's just the nature of this. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we are also saying it's pretty bad to get to a three O, and that kind of nullifies a little bit of that extra reward so to speak of throwing a three zero fastball that's in the zone right yeah um so we're okay with that and not to mention 3-0 counts are not as common as you think so especially yeah. ones that are actually 3-0 to a 3-1 so
1: um, to make sure i'm understanding too nick so if you know let's just take a picture uh dylan cease one that we all collectively all, love yeah. here <laughs> so dylan cease dylan cease throws uh a, a strike on like a zero zero count yeah. That strike would score better for his PLV than if the count was 3-0, right?
3: No, it would likely be a better one for 3-0 because it's a 3-0 count. It the likelihood of that returning a called strike is higher. You you understand what I'm saying?
1: But would I guess that's where my my head is spinning because if if it's a 3-0 count and it's implied that that it should be a strike, him throwing a strike doesn't I mean that's you know, wouldn't that normally be... So, I mean, that's that where
3: we str- came in. We, we we came in and we said, hey, it's waiting it too much. Look, think of it this way. It's 3-0. You throw a fastball, that's down the middle, mm-hmm. right? Or mm-hmm. just in any count. If you look at all situations, 0-2, that's going to be terrible. Why? Because the swing decisions of hitters are way higher. Yep. They're going to be swinging more aggressively in 0-2, which means that has a higher likelihood of being punished, okay? Yeah. Now, 0-0, it's still not good, But it's it's, you know, more likely to be a called strike. And then you go to 3-0 and the likelihood of that pitch getting taken is way up. So if you talk about the context I was saying before of you take the expectation of that count and then you um, compare it to the actual outcome of that pitch. You throw a pitch in that count and it's not in the zone. That's likely going to be ball four. There's a big swing there. And then I uh, so the woba expected woba is actually pretty high for a three O count, but if you are able to get a called strike in that, it's going to favor like like that pitch a lot, right? Gotcha. Yeah. So we actually needed to go in and be like, all right, not so much three O counts, okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Please, can we just fix this a little bit? But we didn't really tinker too much with it. We didn't really want to be the guys putting our thumbs on the scale much. But there's some little instances like that that we need to say like, all right, we gotta we gotta fix that. Circumstantial,
1: yeah. Steve, were you gonna add something?
2: No, no, I, I think that kind of summed it up. Like in 3-0, like the chance of, if you miss, like that's ball four. So right. you're kind of having, you know, there, there's more relying on that being a strike or a called strike than in 0-0. O- in if you if you right. miss, it's, it's just 1-0. It's, it's not a walk. Yeah. So, you know, I, I understand where it's coming from that. The, the stakes sort of are higher. And, you know, I know that it's, we want to remove circumstances and you know outlying factors as much as we can but you know to include the count i think is pretty important and that what's, kind uh, of
3: it's also it really up, funny yeah. by the way um, i have these charts cuz calplan's the best of just red areas and white and blue of like plv values by count and by pitch type and so we have all of them for fastballs but breaking balls and off speed we literally don't have enough pitches at 30 counts that's hilarious. To give you a good graph because no one throws. <laughs> they just don't throw them. Up. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's just not what happens. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think that should really showcase. Like, yeah, this isn't something
1: that we want to focus on too much. Gotcha. Okay, so we we talked about the weights, kind of, you know, what you guys were were tweaking throughout, and without getting into names, Nick, if you've looked through who it's kind of, you know, the outputs of of some of the PLV leaders. Have you noticed or are you aware of, like, certain types of pitchers that the model likes or doesn't like? Do you think that there's enough of a sample and to where you could say, like, oh, well, somebody who has wild command is going to be really knocked by PLV? I'm actually –
3: I'm really impressed by it, honestly. Um, I thought at first it was just going to say if it's a strike, it likes it, and that's that. Um, But honestly, Tony Gonsolin. Um, it hates. It absolutely hates Tony Gonsolin. Uh, and there are many reasons why. The one that surprises me the most is that, despite its splitter being a 70% strike rate last year, it ranks it way below a 5 uh, PLV. Normally, splitters should be like a five two, five four. These are normally big whiff pitches and using those counts where those would be favorable, right? Mm-hmm. But because Gonsolin throws his in the zone so much, they're essentially shouting like, you guys should be crushing these mistake yeah. splitters and uh it's pretty funny there's all things about hit luck too i'll go into later on um but it, so 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 gonzolin stands out which is hilarious um it generally doesn't like sinker ballers not a shock because sinker yeah. ballers don't actually throw good sinkers most of the time Sinkers, I love, oh man, I love PLV so much because it just validates the things that I've said over the years. Um, My favorite thing about a sinker is O-Swing, is that you're throwing it out of the zone and you're jamming guys inside. And there was actually a funny bug that we had. We caught it right away, but there was a moment that sinkers were just so bad. They were like so definitively bad. I'm like, Kyle, there's got to be something wrong with us like, because you're like grading Zach Wheeler sinker, like really like just barely above average. I'm like that can't be right. And then he's like, oh man, I accidentally had um, Fielder's Choices as a single instead of an out. And he flipped <laughs> that switch and oh my God. <laughs> like then Zach Wheeler's sinker became like a 5-3 pitch or something. I'm like, thank you. It's an out. Yes.
0: I was
3: so satisfied, you know. Um, so like I, it actually surprised me that by the end yes it doesn't like sinkers because I think there are a lot of guys that it was very negative on but it's actually very favorable on a decent amount of them uh, and I think someone that you mentioned or the yon or whatever you yeah, hinted at like they like his sinker so much I'm like whoa this is really cool so it, it, for me it's a lot of discovery obviously the highest uh, PLV pitches are going to be sliders um, it's just they're not thrown in these high risk counts a lot and they just are the best. Everyone knows this. Sliders mm-hmm. are the best. Um, Curveballs are also super favorable, too. I do love the fact that it does, it really does amplify those guys that bounce pitches. Who, like, if you bounce them and it's just a waste pitch, it negatively grades you harshly, as it should. It has always frustrated me watching Tristan McKenzie throw these curveballs that just are just a waste even though he has a high swing strike rate on his curveball Tristan McKenzie is not loved by PLB because that's not a good four seamer curveball gets bounced a lot the slider is one of the more inconsistent sliders out there I think actually I just put up the uh, the bad pitch percentage and Tristan McKenzie's slider was like bottom 25 mm. um, like the most bad pitches of a single pitch type and it's like top 25 I was like that's ah, mm, there you go so I mean that that's my generalization of PLV. There sometimes it's just extreme, and I need to throw my hands up and be like, "All right, I guess this is <laughs> right. I'm, I'm wrong about this one." Yeah, there were um, there were
1: a lot of those as we were looking through the names, which we yeah, again, yeah, we will we will get to. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the names soon. You you mentioned kind of you know how how we look at it, or even like Tristan McKenzie. I mean, that's a guy who I think a lot of people, us included, had circled uh, going into kind of draft seasons nah. in, in terms of fantasy, the average fantasy player. I mean, yeah. how would you advise cause you don't want to put all the eggs in the basket and there's oh, you know, certain instances yeah. where you're like, man, this looks way off from what I expected. So right. how would you, or how do you plan to use it in, in kind of fantasy prep? And what advice would you have for, you know, the average listener on how they can roll it into their kind of week to week fantasy management? Sure. Um, I think it's I think it's a really fun stat that we're still
3: exploring a lot. Uh, We don't have a pitch quantifier. Sorry, uh, an ERA quantifier out yet. We still want to refine it. We have some really fun ideas with it. For example, we can just make a PLV fit version if we wanted, Uh, which is I think really cool because we have in our model we have expected probabilities of everything. So we can do expected home runs. We can do expected hits. You know, instead of just looking at Babbitt, we can just like expected hits, expected strikeouts, and walks. We, we can just do that. We can also just run a simulator. You know, uh, and so like this is we resimmed these games, and then here you go. Uh, there are a lot of different ways that we can attack it. Um, I'm really excited for that one, and that probably will. I'd be really disappointed if we're not right there with FIP and Sierra and whatnot um, after we run that, because inherently this is their true skill set. Um, Is what these pitches are. As of right now, um, my biggest suggestion is to focus on Hitluck. Hitluck to me is the coolest thing we've created thus far. And if you're not familiar with Hitluck, I was describing it before, but uh, it's essentially Babip. There's no real inherent difference about the ideas. Where uh, Babip is just like, yeah, you allow a lot of hits and in play when that you shouldn't, and it should regress to the mean. And luck says the same thing. Instead of the actual hits, it just says it's the difference between the actual hits and the expected, right? We have a simulation that says expected. And the coolest part about it um, is that with Babip, when I say regress to the mean, that is not a constant value, that is different by player. Aaron Judge is going to have a different Babip than most of the league. Uh, because he hits the ball super, super hard. And as analysts, we can kind of understand what it should be. We look at previous years. We just look at the bad ball content. Like we kind of say, like, well, this isn't so bad. We look at X Babbitt, for example. And we have that extra context, right? However, hit luck, it all regresses to zero. Every single player, it's the same. So much to this that across the top 200 starting pitchers last year, the average was minus two, which is like nothing. That's saying that among all pitchers, the average was that they allowed two fewer hits across the entire season than they should have. That's ex- so that's zero. Is, is yeah. So zero, exactly. That, that to me was like the greatest, most comforting thing about hit luck. Was I, I, was, I was expecting it to be kind of out of whack or something. Minus two, I'm like beautiful, exactly as it should be, right? So using hit luck is such a quick way. It's the easier way to use BABIP to see like was this guy lucky or not oh I, I absolutely adore it and it's I, I think, a better version
2: I think that's such a, a good way to sort of sum this up and like why this is exciting and good is because I I mean I'm, I'm like you guys I've been playing fantasy baseball like a long time and like I remember like you know you first find out like what BABIP is you know when I'm first getting involved. And it's like, oh, okay, like this is a tool that, you know, okay, this guy's bad BIP was 400 next year. Uh, League average is around 300. Just to simplify it, like, okay, let's next year, let's assume that he is going to be closer to 300. Then, you know, StatCast came along and there's bad ball data. And then you can make those assumptions a little better. It's like, okay, maybe he won't regress as much because he hits the ball a lot harder than everybody else. And now that we have a tool like this to get rid of those assumptions, right? To, to actually quantify those assumptions, right? Like with just projection systems in general, it's like, oh, okay, like projection systems are inherently negative because they regress everything back to the mean. But we shouldn't be just okay with that and just say, oh, we just need to assume that we have to regress these things. Let's find out more and use, you know, things like that would... You, know, you guys create like hit luck or right. you know stuff that we'll get when, into like hitter performance and decision uh, you know performance. Oh yeah, uh, like, that's the good stuff. It's just that that's <laughs> why that's why it's exciting and it's like might you know why haven't we been you know, doing this about
3: you know? hit luck too? You might be asking, but wait, isn't like you're saying nobody's a zero? But like some guys are really good at suppressing hits and other ones other guys aren't. That's yeah. actually taking into account. It's about the actual pitches. That the guy yes. threw. Yeah. And so if there's is, a pitch that so ge- that
2: generates outs or, like, you know, weak ground balls that aren't going to be hits, like, so, that's in account. Yeah.
3: So the crazy thing is Alex Cobb is a very popular one, right? Everyone's like, oh, my God. This is like the pinnacle of bad luck last right. year. Yes. Plus five. It was just a plus five across the entire thing. But then, nobody, like, come on, Nick. Then it's not really that good, right? It can't be can't be that crazy. Well, there are two guys that I laugh at that are just like the most ridiculous of ridiculousness. Um in terms of got, unlucky? Yeah, lucky or unlucky. Okay. Um you could probably guess who they are. Uh Kevin Gosman in unlucky. 2021 was right. a minus 46. Whoa. Okay. And then in 2022 a plus 37. Okay. Whoa. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's 37 more hits than he was supposed to allow. Wow. Okay. And what we're actually ever thinking of is like, should we just make like an expected whip? I mean, we could just do that, like a normalized whip, because that turns his 188 hits all the way down to about 150. That's a totally different conversation. Yeah. Uh, 150 plus yeah, that changes uh, like multiple that brings his whip to about like 1.4 1.04 1. 04, I should say 1.04 1.
2: 04, yeah which like, is huge and, and who knows what that changes for home runs from solo home runs though right you know that's that's All a that's, gigantic uh, difference yeah
3: so I uh, and his hit per nine was at 9.7 yeah that kind of brings it down to like seven That made me like to kind of do a U turn on my whole Kevin Gosman analysis because I was using like hit uh, hard contact and stuff, which is generally very good. It's like, yeah, he deserved a lot of this. Maybe not. Each of his pitches actually had like the first percentile of hit luck,
1: which is hilarious to me. Wow. Just to make sure I'm clear. So that's based on his actual pitches, right? Yes. Like like, the data input. His pitches, based on what he threw.
3: We're saying that he allowed far more hits than his pitches deserve. Than he should have. Yeah. Gosman's Ga- four-seamer cool. and splitter, also in stuff in, in pitching plus with Enos, they love the models, love it. Mm-hmm. Ours does too. Um, his stuff should have a lot more, His pitches should have a lot more success than it does. Wow. Now, okay, let's the hear other, the other side. Yeah, give him the side, other side. Can you guys guess the 100th percentile pitcher from 2022? Hit luck.
2: Oh, Martin yeah. Perez.
3: Martin Perez now. I was worried you were gonna say
1: Dylan Cease.
3: Ah, no, it's not Cease. It's not Cease. I'm actually curious now. You have me like looking up both of those guys. Uh, I'll say he's in the NL West.
1: NL West. Oh, Tyler Anderson. <sighs> Getting close. Don't say Heaney. No, no.
3: no. One more guess. Who? The Arias. Nope. Uh, it is Tony Gonsolin.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, well, we that, was, that was that was. You, you were close. Yeah, you were right, right there. Yeah, over the plate. And uh, you know, I thought it was too obvious. You know, you brought him up. Well, the I that thought you were a, just going to trickle- say it right away. But <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, just yeah. Nobody should have went
3: with the obvious answer. Yeah. I uh, yeah. Tony Gonsolin was a -58. negative fifty-eight, 58. 58 fewer hits than you should have allowed. Okay. That's a whip inflator. There. It, yeah. He allowed,
2: now, not to, allowed not to 79
3: get seventy-nine hits total last year. Now I understand. Hitluck does not take into account defense and shifting, right? It doesn't. Uh, and the counterpoint to that is Manoa is actually pretty favorable, too, on this. On, like, the, I think he's, like, 95th percentile. So if you want to talk about team defense and stuff and mm-hmm. shifting, kind of not there for, like, Gosman. Ga- like, it's just not, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Gonsolin, 100th percentile. And the Dodgers' defense is going to get a lot worse. Now they have Vargas at second, Muncie at third, no Trey Turner. It's no shifts. No shifts. I am so running for the hills away from Tony Gonsolin because of this. And so you're asking me, how am I using PLV most for fantasy? This is maybe the most important one to me is hit luck. Wow. So, and,
2: and not to make this the the Tony Gonsolin podcast, this is the, the PLV I mean, I've podcast. I've made like every but
3: podcast the Tony he,
2: podcast. He, yeah. God, he's a nice guy, Nick. I'm sure. I'm sure, like, he well, is. Wonderful uh, I know when Eno talks about his model and and, and previous iterations, it's like, oh, you know, they're, they're, it's hard to or has a bias against change ups, for example, right? Right. Like, yeah. Is that something that you would consider, like, with Tony Gonson? Like, hey, like, he does have this splitter. Like, the model doesn't like it. Um, It's had actual success. Like, is that something that, like, goes through your mind that, like, hey, maybe there's. I know you guys have obviously tweaked things here and there, and there there, is, there shouldn't be just because of one guy, but how much of that is considered? It's like, Hey, maybe this is actually good. I'm not saying that it will be, or, or it mm-hmm. was, but yeah. could that be something that, Hey, these hung splitters are deceptive to hitters. And that's why they're not picking Absolutely. them up. It's and they very look much bad, a possibility.
3: You know? Um, in no way is this perfect. I, uh, that said, you compare Kevin Gosman's splitter to Tony Gonsolin's, and it makes all the sense in the world yeah. why why it's a fifty five percent quality pitch rate on Gosman's splitter, which is ninety fifth percentile, amazing. And you see the locations; it's am- it's so well put, and all of this stuff. Then you look at Tony Gonsolin's, and there's so many in the middle of the zone, and his his bad pitch rate on it is fifty two percent, which is essentially half of them are bad. Four point two nine like
2: you know, you can get away with that for for so long, right? Like eventually, exactly. these all these hung splitters are going to to catch up with you. And you know, you've convinced me. I don't want to be caught holding the bag. You know, maybe he gets away with it for another year or whatever. But you know, you don't want to be caught holding the bag with with all those bad splitters. Just just like you would for for any other you know
3: process. Now, and just think of the Dodgers' defense just getting worse. This is gonna crumble. I think. Not to mention mm-hmm. also, Tony Conson like doesn't throw a lot of innings. 130 last year has never gotten more
1: than that i'm just not interested yeah taking the over on the the 0.87 whip from last year for sure <laughs> uh, um,
3: martin perez by the way plus four hit luck last year oh so. wow yeah and, i mean that uh, just comes
2: to mind with like a guy who overperforms right like that, that's kind of a
3: yeah um c said a minus 20 um and uh, that mostly came, slider was a minus 13, 98th percentile there, four seamers was a minus 12, while the curveball was neutral, at zero.
1: So Nick, as you're cooking up these stats over here on the other cooking side, mine. so is this, because right now the spreadsheet is, is public use. Yes. But is, is what you're going through everything that will be on PL Pro, or is this actually within kind of the the stat cast data that you guys have and that PLVs so, kind of spit um,
3: out. So the PLV charts that you guys know um, is likely going to be behind PL Pro at some point. Um, th- that, that stuff, I think, is just the whole idea with PL Pro is us providing fantasy tools for everybody. And that's like one of the premier tools that we spend a lot of time making. Mm-hmm. Um, however... All the player pages will have has all of the stats I'm talking about right now. That's how I'm looking. So at you
2: them. go to you type in any pitcher list on pitcher list. You type in yep. any player's page. You'll see it's there the right PLV now. For, I mean, this is where yep, I'm quoting
3: all yep. of it. Is mm-hmm. uh, you scroll down. And that's going to stay there. PLV, that's yeah. going to stay there. The player page is going to be exactly the same. The rolling charts, uh, the uh, that stuff is going to be behind the the app. We're gonna have all this stuff on the leaderboards too. That's gonna to be free That's to everybody. A nice mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. just the generalized leading board leaderboard stuff. I know also hitter stats aren't Yes,
2: that was my next question. I, I, I know I'm gonna ask pitcher list about hitters, but yeah. Yeah, I
3: know. We wanted to go more into like the, the pitcher stuff, but honestly, I do believe that with PLV, it does tell a better story for the hitters than it does the pitchers because it's about what the hitters received and what they did with it. Um, which I think is is less of a, uh, like, they ne- aren't necessarily changing. You know, they they're aren't shifting the pitches, so they're just up there, and this is their ability. And yeah. uh, it gives a better context for what they've done. So I'm really excited about that, and uh, we'll be rolling and, that out. And to out sort kind of, of
2: to, to piggyback off that, like, it, it kind of goes back to your earlier point. It's like, if a guy gave this pitch, had this amazing changeup that, you know, Mike Trout hit for a home run, like, you know, I watch a lot of baseball. You guys watch a lot of baseball. Like, I can't think of how many times that a guy hits a home run and the announcer goes, "Wow, you know, this was a perfectly placed slider. Or this was a perfectly was placed it. pitch." I have no like idea hanger. how, how, yeah, or how this how this was hit out for a home run. Like, to be able to quantify and to reward this home run was a lot better because it was this slider that was down in a way that right. you have no idea how this yeah. Mike Trout was able to do is so much different than, you know, Yerman Mercedes helmering off, uh, you know, uh, Tortuga off that, you know, little, like, the, the, oh, the, right, the, yeah, the right, Ephis right, pitch, you know, right, that right, uh, right. La Russa uh, sent him down to the minors for, right? Like, how is that home run the same as Mike Trout homering off this down-and-away change-up from
3: Chris Sale, Chris so right? Like, it. it haunts me still. It, this will be the ninth year and To be able to quantify
2: those two different things is so... Useful, and I think that that's why I kind and this is kind of blasphemous, but I'm kind of more excited for it for hitters. Oh no, I I am too. You know,
3: I I think I think it honestly is most applicable to hitters once we really finalize everything that we're doing. I think the stuff that we have with swing decisions is unbelievable. I I mean, sure, we look at O swing and no contact and all this kind of stuff before, but having. Something I've tried to express before with things like early O contact or two strike O swing, that kind of stuff, um, is throwing a perfect O O fastball should not be swung at. Swinging at a 2 O pitch that's really tough in the zone should not be swung at. There are certain times and counts. I remember getting on Cattell Marte because he swung at a 2 O curveball way out of the zone. And I'm thinking, like, once you know it's a curveball, just don't finish your swing. You don't want to hit it. Because if you do, it will be an out. Yeah. And those that are able to not swing at sinkers that come in off the plate should be rewarded, you know, because those are either foul balls or they're outs. And swing decision does this. It it, it adds another element to it. Um, it, it there's so much we not can all takes, do.
1: not all takes are created yeah. equal right. and you know in, in basketball they talk about it a lot of like tough shot makers and it's like mm-hmm. you know Kobe Bryant was one of the best tough shot makers so that always feels so subjective right and to add kind of a, a, a you know machine that. learning and quantitative analysis to go with that is is so exciting on both sides of the ball but <laughs> yeah for for home runs and for plate discipline it, or, it's just going to be awesome <sighs> to see that
2: to, to be able to put like analytics to some of the mental part of the game or like things that you would only think that you can get in a, like an actual scouting report or like you know having yeah. to go to scout school for or something like that i think is super super powerful like to be able to say okay this guy worked himself into this 2l count has this advantage right like does he have this swing decision to be able to say, okay, hey, there's this dotted fastball that you're going to do nothing with on the corner, but you have this 2L count, but you have the swinging decision and you know to use that to, you know, because that's great. You work yourself through a 2L count, but you swing at a curveball in the dirt, like it's wasted almost, right? Yeah. But if you have the ability to to lay off and to use those things in the, your, your advantage, I would never think that their stats or, like uh, you know analytics to anal- analyze that but hey now now one, of,
3: one of the things i i mean started my whole entire journey with all of it is i uh, is was picture gifts of i want people to understand the things i saw cuz seeing a picture was way different than just a spreadsheet of numbers yeah. and i felt there's a different visceral experience seeing a guy's slider and going, oh, this guy's filthy. I can understand how this might be better over time. Mm-hmm. And I've been chasing that a lot. That's where CSW came from. I'd watch like Aaron Nola just s- make guys look stupid with called striked, uh, two strike two-strike pitches, right? i am be like, well, this is great. Called strikes matter, guys. <laughs> and then, <laughs> like, okay, here you go. And it's always been this goal of trying to, I call it the bridge at the first pitch Arizona um, uh, presentation. But that's the idea is, how can we quantify all the things that we see and we notice? I actually remember distinctly a beat writer talking about Luis Castillo's slider. I've mentioned this a couple of times, but he said, for every good one, there was a cement mixer over the plate, right? And I said, well, the, you don't, we, we can theoretically quantify that. Like we a, have the like data. An yeah. You yeah know? We
2: can say if that's true or not.
3: And, and that leads into you know, quality pitches and bad pitches and why we're actually bucketing that and we can showcase volatility. We can actually say like, how often do you throw good pitches, and how infrequently are you throwing bad pitches? That's a really important thing. And I kind of, we haven't really been it with a hammer yet, but I imagine there is a way to quantify K minus walk rate through that. It just makes all the sense to me.
1: Yeah, even Um, cherry bombs, quantifying cherry bombs with like, yeah, yeah. they're good, but they're also a lot of bad here. I think
3: Dylan Cease was thirtieth in Q minus BP, uh, which is like good. That's still good. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. the way he performed, you would think you'd be like top 10 or something, but no, but yeah. still top 30. Like, all right, good. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 just a good example, I think, of showcasing like volatility. There it is inside of it. Um, and there are so many other ways where I think we can explore it. And I'm excited to hear everybody else's ideas. I mean, this is just stuff from us that so we're thinking, like, oh, if we have a quality of something, we can look at this specifically. And yeah. I think it's like blazing our own trail in this way. And we're really excited to hear what other people it's, come up with.
1: It's so cool. And it's really cool that, you know, guys like Cameron Grove, you know, are are kind of working toward that collective goal and the bridge that you talked about. So we're all excited, Nick. And and one last question before we we break and, and get into to pitchers as promised and just kind of rattle through some names. Can you talk about kind of what's next uh, for you guys and the team that have worked on this? Is there anything that the listeners should be... Kind of keeping an eye out for, I know you mentioned like the leaderboards right now, it's all out on the player pages themselves. But is there anything kind of between now and, you know, that April window you were talking about sure. that we can share?
3: Well, I so first and foremost, you're asked before about like, how do we keep up with this in season? How do we use it? PLV stats are in all the pitch details now of our game logs. So, you can actually look at every game and see the PLV stats of each pitch type that was thrown, which is really cool. You can see the hit. Like, I, w- I put out a tweet about Reed Detmer's no hitter, saying that he should have allowed seven more hits. Than <laughs> <the hitter. laughs> it was just like, yeah, okay. You know, I mean, we all knew. I, I remember watching great. that
2: game too and, and being like,
3: like eh, yeah,
1: like this is good. But guys, I, that, I like yeah. Reed Detmer's. This oh, year. I, I do too. Not, but not, not for the no hitters. stood at. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, that was
2: I, his no hitter was pre. When Slide. we liked him, yeah, you know. Yeah, pre, well, right. Pre- that was slider. him.
3: Like, he went to the minors a couple starts later. I remember actually even yeah. writing this, being like, this, is, this isn't this is going to last. This yeah. is not a thing. I have the blurbs inside of it, too. Yeah. Um, but we are working to have a live leaderboard, a la, like, the Savant game feed on pitcher where that would cool. have the PLV stats awesome. and stuff. Awesome. So you can follow that. Uh, we are going to get the, the hitting stuff on the hitter pages as well. We just got to kind of decide what we want. There's so many. <laughs> And we can't yeah. just like throw everything. We got to like actually yeah. curate in some way. Um, and there is a process. It's not as easy as you think to get everything on there because there's also the percentile ranks and the league and the average that we have to, you know, make sure that that's working well uh, on top of it. Um, but uh, there's also the projections. I mean, we're using PLV to create our unique projections, not just for the season ahead, but also the DFS stuff. Um, in season, we have what we're calling PL bot. Um, that I'm going to be fighting over with my daily rankings every day. I'm going to say you're stupid, PL bot. Like you should have this guy above that one. <laughs> Stress test. Um But uh, but that's through PL Pro. Uh, so we have DFS rankings for DraftKings and Fanduel, and then with an optimizer, and then also fantasy daily and weekly. So the week ahead, so if we can do it with like weekly leagues, you can quickly see who you should be picking up or starting. And that's launching February 21st? February 21st. Still? Yeah. But... So like two days from when this podcast comes out. Yeah. That's, that's
2: yeah. great. I am. I am definitely going to use that because, like, I always find myself needing a tiebreaker, especially in weekly leagues. It's like, there you go. Who? What am I going to do here? And like, you know, I, I've done everything from flip a coin to you know, <laughs> look at whatever, whatever weekly projection system I'm using at that time. But I am definitely going to we, use that. We, we think
3: that, that. That, that this is, is going to work better than the season-long one because it's a lot more about like this is what they're dealing with now. And you see those rolling charts of up and down and stuff. And it feels so much more intuitive to use us in the small sample. And don't overreact, uh, you know,
1: yeah. it, it, like we were saying with the read Detmers, or if somebody gets, you know, pummeled and then you right. see that it's six hits more than they should have given up or something. Exactly. And
2: this is just I, like, the more I think about it and the, the next like topic that I've run to and like how this can apply to it. it's like, you know, there's like, Oh, you know, batter versus picture data is so granular. Like, don't use it. But like, with PLV, we can get so much better at batter versus pitcher in, right. I, in small samples, I, I right? Like that's label. Just, I have to put it's a, just, a, oh a, a disclaimer. Oh my god, there's the possibilities! I,
3: I'm with you. Uh, I have to put the disclaimer that we can't. You know, as far as the predictiveness, it's unclear. At yes, moment, we don't, we don't know really yet. know, and yet. not also I will, I've said it many a times. Just because this player deserved success today does not mean he deserves yes. success tomorrow. innately in my core it feels like intuitively this is the better representation most the most descriptive we can be which theoretically should help us the process the the
2: process is there
3: yeah right it makes all the sense i think it's just about kind of figuring out how we utilize this the
1: most to to get the most out of it and we'll be figuring that out through the year Yes. yes okay well without further ado we'll get into some of the the pl bot claims and some of the ones that look a little different than the adp list but that's our teaser we're going to take our second ad break and we will be right back
0: sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you well it's time to show your food who's boss with noom noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right. So, Nick, this is always kind of our favorite part. We put on our actual uh, fantasy manager hats. We get into some names and we've got the spreadsheet pulled up. I think we're going to start with the, uh, the optimism, if you will. So these are the guys from the sheet that look notably high, uh, you know, meaning good compared to their relative ADP or where they fall in the SP ranks. And I think the ones that kind of jumped out at the the very top, Hunter Green, we talked about Kevin Gossman a little bit, but wow, Hunter Green, somebody who's been kind of polarizing Actually, Nick, I, I I threw Hunter Green into my PL mock draft, had to defend it a little bit, and now I'm quite happy to see him ranking yeah. as, like, the number are, five are SP. We getting the,
2: are we getting a retro seal of approval here? Is you are, maybe. Like a,
1: a I don't know. Where where where'd you take him indoors? I actually have it in
3: my bookmarks <laughs> bar. You took him in the ninth round.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: I uh, Which is... I mean, yeah, uh, George Kirby went after. I still would take George Kirby.
2: uh, You know who took (laughs) George Kirby? Uh, Steve
1: Swelly did. Yeah, there there you go. There it is. (laughs) So Hunter Green's PLV, uh, he he was, I believe, the fifth starting pitcher, if I have that right. Uh, The PLV was a 5.34, which, again, is high on that sliding scale. So are you changing – to be even more. I know you've warmed up all off season on Hunter green, but did this really grab your attention in an actionable way? It,
3: it really did. Um, we really love his four seamer and slider. We just think they're both divine. His uh, Slider ranks as one of the best pitches in the majors um, and the slider, not the, not the fastball. Mm-hmm. And especially with how he commanded it better up in the zone um, in the second half, Boddy talks about like command being a weird thing for the first year, and it just all makes sense. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is going to stand. We're doing one more ra- one more round of just kind of figuring everything out with our projection system. Mm-hmm. But I think right now the biggest outlier is Hunter Green, uh, and it's I, I don't even want to say it. It's just it is the most favorable stud season you can imagine um and I'm like this is the one of the ones I was like okay like what's going on here um but it just says look his four seamer's so good his slider is so good uh he's amazing and it's it's kind of hard to ignore it when everyone else I mean the guys that are surrounding them is like Jacob deGrom and Julio Urias and Justin Verlander and Brandon Woodruff and Zach Wheeler you know and number two there was Hunter Green (laughs) <laughs> uh, also, is Blake Snell, mind you, um, and uh, I think that's a very interesting one. I think that's more about health than anything else. Uh, but and I'm not throwing that. the change up, right? He's not there. He's not. He's not.
2: Yeah, he stopped. Well, he's really good. He Stopped again. Unless we hear now that spring he really training. He only had starts two starts of throwing the change up last year. It was
3: just really even the begin- even the beginning. Yeah, the... it was like two. Wow, only two games above that. a ten percent usage. Uh, Got so, it. and everything yeah. else was like four percent. Um, nice. So we're good. Yeah, exactly, right? We should love Click Stone more. Um, hey, but
1: the innings are a bigger You're problem. preaching to the choir here, guys. <laughs> yeah, has been all offseason oh, yeah, for uh, me. One, number, yeah. number two SP, second half of the year last year. I know. So <laughs> so a question on Hunter Green, Nick, yeah. is, you know, I think the narrative on the the fastball is that, yes, he throws it about harder than anyone in the league. But when it does, when batters do hit it, it gets crushed, or at least it did until yeah. the final like six starts. So, does the model account the for, model for any of that? that it does.
3: I uh, and I don't think it del- believes that it should have been crushed um, as much as it was, right? I uh, but minus five hit luck is there. I think that also. I actually am surprised at how little he threw the ball down. I thought it was a lot more than he did. Fifty-five percent high lock, only a twenty-one percent low lock, uh, which is thirty-seventh percentile. That's good, by the way. Low, low number. Yeah, low, <laughs> it's just yeah. low versus high, so that's really like a sixty-third percentile or something, right? Um, and I, I, I think that he just is getting better at it. So, I, I'm in. He has I, a higher what, strike rate on his fastball, I think. Than uh, his, I think with did. Green, like I, I
2: remember, like anecdotal oh, anecdotally, like. You would always look back at the previous year's leaderboard and be like, "Oh, if you reverse sort on ERA by the year, like the next year, you're going to find like a top pitcher on that leaderboard." Like I remember that was like with Robbie Ray, you know, or- with Robbie Ray, Carlos Rodon, Rodon, um, you know, uh, Lucas Giolito. One year will had like the worst ERA, then was an SP one, right? Like mm-hmm. Hunter Green just screams like he can. You know, I know it wasn't that bad. It was a 4 4 four, four, four ERA of the year, but you know, if you just saw the, the the first half and kind of gave up on him and dropped him after you know he had that six homer game against the Brewers, right? That that everyone remembers watching. Like command, just I think for these, it's it's hard to do at the major league level at first, and like once you figure it out, especially with a guy like Hunter Green's stuff. And if you have all of these models, you know, not just yours that loves or or ours, pitcher list that, that loves Hunter Green, Slaughter, and Fastball, all of them, like you should trust that and let him figure it out and, you know, do what he needs to do between his head and to get his command right. And I think we saw that at the end of the year, and I think that's why I'm pretty comfortable throwing a dart and hoping to get you know an sp1 at sp3 four prices with hunter green i think that's a really really good bet to make
3: so about that start by the way this is really cool you can do this you can go on hunter yeah. green's player page and do exactly what i'm going to tell you is you go to the game walk you go to that game you let five home runs against the brewers you can see Keston
2: Hero was one of them i remember <laughs> it uh,
3: vividly. you can see the locations fastballs are so down on this mm-hmm. the I. Uh... The PLA of his four-seamer was six five six. That's the ERA. So right. that's
2: like the ERA indicator, the PLA. Yeah, right? yes. exactly. Or not indicator, but ERA
1: ratio, if you will.
3: Yeah, yes. it's like it's yeah. on the scale of like ERA. This, the ERA scaled. Yes. Had had four more hits than expected too, um, on the four-seamer. I. Then on the changeup was a 10.43 PLA uh, and, the, and the slider was a 636 not a good game 6.64 yes. a PLA across the ERA and stuff but then you go against the this is the funniest one to me is I, I'm just I, I love doing this I love just going to the PLV tab of the game log and just seeing hit luck games and seeing what any outliers are and what happened in that game mm-hmm. and there's a minus seven I was like what am I oh it was at Pittsburgh. <laughs> there you go of course like you should have allowed the hits but but Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh
1: grading now (laughs) and that's where
3: hitter performance comes into account a bit yeah is like negative like essentially hitter performance says this was the quality pitch and we expect you to do this and you're not what a
2: feeling that is when your model like comes back and it's like oh what was this minus seven <laughs>
1: yeah
2: uh hit luck that my model spit out oh it was it, the, the Pittsburgh pirate nice the this Jones. is That's awesome my yeah. model is smart the grom's near then.
1: the top and the pirates uh are, are not we're not good things yeah. yes this is valid okay well I have to to move us along guys otherwise we're gonna steal Nick for the whole night that the next one I want to talk about we don't need to spend as much time but blown away by a guy whose plv was 82nd percentile you can get because hunter green's adp is around 115 this guy is going quite a bit later and at, at adp 176 he is the number eight starting pitcher on plv and that is jeffrey springs yeah so this was one that i was scratching my head a little bit nick Maybe we can do a a mini deep dive and and see if we collectively think that Springs might be a value uh, going in, what, the 15th round. So what do we think on Jeffrey Springs and his PLV love? I think his
3: changeup is really, really, really good. Um, And the slider can get better. And we still liked it, even though his locations were kind of meh. Uh, 16% quality minus bad pitch percentage is really nice on the slider. Uh, 91st percentile is change up too. um, for that. And the fastball, uh, fastball got hit hard last year. And I don't know if necessarily that's so that's going to change. I mean, it's really against lefties. Like how does Jeffrey Springs handle lefties is the major thing because the changeup isn't really used. It's just about the slider being really good. And hopefully that, that, you know, can be, uh, in 2023, but yeah, I mean, he just says, look, like he locates incredibly well. Um, that's the real reason why he loves Springs. He elevates his four seamer, keeps his changeup down in arm side, and the slider can be better at locations, but generally the movement and everything and how he uses it is good. So I, I'm a believer of Jeffrey Springs. The bigger question, though, is that PLV, what PLV doesn't really take into account, maybe total does, um, is innings. 135 innings last year. I don't know how the Rays are going to use them. I don't know if they're going to allow him to go super, super long. And that is of a concern. I don't think he's also a 26 strikeout pitcher percent, I should say. Um, I think he's more of like 22, 23 percent. Um, but I I think Springs is a solid arm. I have him around 50. I I think, you know, despite being a garbage person, um, it's still, you know, for fantasy teams, I think what his ability is would help your fantasy teams.
1: So... First of all, yeah, my my 82nd, uh, I was just saying, I was looking at four-seamer, not all pitches. So, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. the PLV 82nd percentile was for the four-seamer. It's much better for the change-up at a 96th percentile. And that kind of brings me back to one of those early questions, though, Nick, where we were saying, like, is there a certain type of pitcher that the model might like? And I'm going to throw out a hypothesis here. Sure. So... Some of I feel like the industry is flocking toward, you know, swinging strike rate, whiff rate, you know, basically swing and miss guys and just trying to throw darts and say, this is the next Shane McClanahan, whatever it is. Sure, For guys who don't strike out as many batters, but do have kind of a, a location uh, command, do we think that might be, you know, PLV might be a good way to identify kind of those command specialists who have like a really good high lock for fastballs and low lock right. for breaking stuff i mean is that a fair assessment so there's a couple things here um
3: one uh jeffrey springs has a 15 swing strike rate so overall i uh, so, so it's, it's it does plv does like the swing strike guys mm-hmm. i mean it's just still really good And I actually remember entering PLB being like, I need to give justification. I need to find a way because there is something about the guys who don't get as many whiffs, but they continuously have good ERAs and help their team. There should be something that we can quantify that says this is why they're doing that and we should give more credence to that, right? The old Kyle Hendricks. Right, I was trying to find that because I think there's something really to it. And what do you know? It's still really good. To get swing strikes a lot um (laughs) now i i also want to mention you know mentions this a ton and it does apply with us we don't split location you know we don't have the location plus we don't have stuff plus because it's not about this whole project isn't about the qualities of the pitch it's about how good was this pitch that we can assess everything else right And that's a really important distinction that we're trying to make with this. If you just kind of, you know, sure you can have pitching plus together, but then it doesn't. We're trying to say this was good, this was bad, thus this. You're you're
2: start. You're starting at is this a good or bad pitch? Not trying to analyze, determine the the factors that lead to a good pitch. Exactly.
3: So it's it's a different plan of attack for us, Um, and. Uh, so Command, though, that part of it, which is involved in hours, anyway, it still involves stuff and, and location course. Yeah. Command mm-hmm. is the least sticky one. So that's why, I've, you know, focuses more on stuff. He's a stuffist, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. totally love that. Uh, and so when we look at PLV and we try to say, well, this guy was a good command guy, thus PLV likes him more and we should be more in on him. Uh, I have some hesitation because Command is less sticky. Yep. So I, I do wonder how much plv will be able to find those guys um i think honestly it will help us more to say avoid this guy because he is a toby (laughs) he is a vargas rule and like this isn't going to last and we can also say yes he deserved this success and is a vargas rule where he is in rhythm and has good location and we just kind of roll until the location's bad yeah Um, And we're able to do that better in season. So all those things I'm really excited about with it. But I don't think I'm ever going to have that holy grail,
1: unfortunately, uh, with PLV. Yeah. Who knows if anyone will. So, Uh, Steve, among the other names that we have listed, is there anybody you want to kind of take a closer look at? I mean, Um,
2: who? I mean. I don't know, Nick. You want you want to take this one? Good well, okay. Right. Go I ahead. mean,
1: uh, Gosman's
3: we've talked about enough. Everybody's yes, we talked about, about it. Aaron Nola. Duh. Yep. Duh. Mm-hmm. His fastball is way better than I think people say it is. Uh Julio Arias yeah. really good curveball, um, like the best in the game. So, A
2: quick I'm, question on Arias because yeah. every year every projection system hates Julio Arias. Yeah. Sure. Every single year, <laughs> and it's just something that you you have to accept and like almost right. like ignore. What separates, and, and 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 I see that on a, this PLV spreadsheet and list that he's he's grades out well, right? What mm-hmm. separates that, you think?
3: Yeah, that's the curveball. The curveball is just so good. It's curveball. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, the Dodgers in 229 BABIP hit luck was to, what was it, 94th percentile? It was yeah. nine minus 30, yeah. if I can talk. Yeah. Minus 30 is not good. Uh, that should get worse for Arias, and he should be, yeah, he's not going to be 216 here, right, guy? Yeah, it'll be um, three-ish. I still think, though, that the curveball is really good. The changeup is not that good. Um, It can be better. It has been one of those things that there are moments when the changeup comes out, and it's like, yes, thank you so much. You've done the thing. But the fastball actually got better as the season went on. The velocity went back up. It's, uh, it's Q-minus B percentage. 86 percent off for four seamers. You'd love to see that from Julio Um I still like him. I th- I see them as a step below Max Freed essentially. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I get worried about Dodgers pitchers right now. Uh, I think that they're getting that's more
2: like than him. the projection systems like him. So yeah.
3: Yeah. I mean, I saw the 404 or e four from Steamer. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's just a product of of the Babbitt being as low as it is, but yeah, that's fine. Don't worry about it. So, right, who did you who, who did you want to talk I about? I mean, come yes, on, Stephen yes. Matz is here. Yeah. What is yes, this? Yes. yes Stephen
1: Mats. What are you what are you doing, Stephen Mats? Mats um, for for before we jump in. So, just yeah. on the leaderboard, Mats I, I doing my counting was like the 11th starting pitcher and I was like, "What is he doing up here?" So, <laughs> let's hear it, Nick. What are we what are we thinking on Mats? I mean, PLV loves the sinker change of curveball. Uh, the curveball Locations were really good,
3: uh, five four four PLV, which is like ninety six percent among all curveballs. But he threw forty eight pitches. He threw forty eight pitches last year. Um, hmm. I mean, uh, sorry, sorry. Innings, gosh, pitches. Forty eight innings last year is a very small sample. He uh, terrible luck. Clearly, a five two five uh, ERA. I don't, I don't feel like he pitched to that tune. Hit luck was actually minus six. So something happened, I guess was home runs. It must have been. Uh yeah, and it had won five homer per nine last year. Okay. All right. That that that's I, I think Steven Matz is a bargain at this point. I mean his stuff is still clearly good. Um his sinker well located uh to, to right handers inside. The changeup well located down and away. I mean this is pretty much a location PLV guy. Less sticky to year to year, small sample. But considering he's just like ignored in all drafts right now. Mm-hmm. I, uh, for someone that should be in the rotation, right? He's the number five for the Cardinals. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As um, yes, man. I imagine he's not going to get the best first start of the year. I think it's uh, uh not the. Uh, I should have this memorized. I know you're like Nick. You can't have everything memorized, but I should have this memorized. Yeah, he gets the Jays. Yeah,
2: I would be concerned. I would be concerned if you had this memorized, Nick. No, this no, is, no, This no, is, a good this thing is like, for, for your. I health. talk
3: about one position in one sport. Okay. <laughs> All right, this is my time. I need to memorize these things. I uh, the yeah they get the the Blue Jays. It's going to be Atlanta after that, but it, he would not start for that one. Uh, you don't want to start Steven Mats for that, so you probably don't need to. You can just leave him off a draft. He'll so get burned badly in that Jays start, and then you can get him the So I, uh, I, I'm Tim going I off that.
2: rundown for one more name. I don't, I don't know if you tweeted it or if you put it out in in the Discord. Yeah. Um. But why should the Yankees have signed Michael Wacha?
3: Oh, because they clearly need somebody. I mean, a good PLV on the changeup. But who? Else? Like, they can't depend on Herman and Clark Schmidt. They just can't. I like Clark Schmidt. I like Clark. He's Schmidt. a nice I guy. He was like on Clark the Schmidt. Talking Pitching podcast. Go listen to it from last year. Yeah. But I, uh, I don't think he's exceptional. And keep in mind also that's their five and six through the year right now. You need. Yeah, more they're
2: already dipping into the. Those depth are the. Those that, are the. Those are supposed yes. to
3: be the six and seven. Um, and they're already into that, so they need they need Michael Walker. I mean, I I, I I feel like they're just going to sign Dallas Keiko, but then again, the beard thing will stop them. So I guess not.
2: <laughs> oh, Dallas Keuchel without a beard, I do not want to. No. I do not want to. Yeah, no one see one to see that. I do not want to see that. Nobody.
1: So Nick, I think we got to end uh, with with a little bit of the other side of this, which is sure. the, the guys who looked notably low. I know Corbin Burns was low, but I feel like. Sandy Alcantara, given that you know, you're know you the Alcantara guy. Let let me hear why we think Sandy might have scored low on kind of the PLV charts on this.
3: Um, well, Relatively. Luck,
1: it, It's interesting.
3: It, one thing that PLV struggles with and all quantifiers struggle with are outliers, are extremes. So you're going to see things like his changeup had the 100th percentile hit luck of minus 21. Now uh, there's two factors to that. One hit luck can be an accumulation thing of you throw more of them. There's a higher chance for it to be a larger number. Mm-hmm. Um, and he throws a change up that no one else throws. <laughs> so we don't quite know how to quantify. Yeah, how do you, how do you model that if there's right? nothing it's else a little, It's a little bit tougher against. to yeah. do. And yeah. I think in some aspects, when you throw as hard as he does with this change up that he does, that it is going to negatively affect him. Um, it is interesting to me that his slider profile is the highest as a five four one, 4 uh, one PLV. But, yeah, I think Sandy Alcantara is still dope and does dope things. I think he's honestly going to be better next year because I actually remember watching lots of games where I'm like, this command just isn't here today. And uh, it isn't as pretty as you want it to be when it isn't. Um, but, yeah, Sandy Alcantara I'm not worried about whatsoever. I feel like his stuff is one of those cases where – PLV is going to be like, we don't know. I mean, you know, talks about all the time like guys break models. Like, yeah. yeah. Sandy breaks yeah. models.
2: And to be unique and the only type of player that does X or Y is a good thing. Like, yeah. To, the reason why he's good is because uh, no one else can do that. Yeah. That his
3: total PLV is 98% up. But then again, it's because he threw 3,200 pitches. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I think this has been awesome, Nick. Thank you for for joining us, walking through this. I know it's uh, you know it's much easier when you have slides and charts, charts and visual examples, uh, but this is super helpful for, for us and I'm sure for the listeners too. Uh, any any closing thoughts from from your side? I know we got some exciting things coming up with this, uh, but a- any kind of final thoughts on PLV before we wrap here? Well, I appreciate you guys a ton for this. This is re-
3: it's really cool to talk about it this way. Um, the uh, I I really want to reiterate how this is a process with us. This is the this is the one version. This is not infallible, uh, and we are developing lots of things with it that I'm sure are going to surprise us. We're going to make tweaks. We're going to, uh, you know, polish this. But the idea, the concept of quantifying a pitch and allowing that to then reframe the events that follow, you know, the timeline, there's a pitch, the hitter does something that we've never been able to quantify before. And now we can, because it's an algebra problem into contact, into an event in play to the result. That timeline is so important. And to be able to look at the first element to then help find out the others um, is oh it opens so many doors and i'm so curious anybody listening think about that really like think man if we were able to quantify this what else can we do with it what kind of situations could we do it um it's really fun i feel like every day there's a new idea that we have things like even inside of a start is there a certain number of plv that if you earn total that signifies a good start or not um that we can correlate just like that like well, that. Yeah. Though, maybe that works you know I we don't want to make this a, only a PL exclusive thing of like we want you guys to to mess around with this too. We want this to be out in the world and, and toyed around with. So get your hands dirty, check out the player pages, and uh have fun with it. It's awesome. Yeah,
2: this is and you know, uh I know you uh threw a little shout out to us, but I feel like, you know, this is the first stop on like the late night uh, talk show uh, <laughs> tour when when the an actor has more, like a right? yeah. has like a movie coming out like you know uh, Nick Pollock's making the round uh, the road like show. Yeah, yeah 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 so oh uh, man to, I'll get to, better to and better at you. it
3: thanks so much for enduring the first pass from me.
1: Oh no! Oh, you, did, you did. You did. You did. This is the misfrizzle method of podcasting. There it is. What Steve and method. I do. <laughs> oh, like, I love it. Yeah. Can we? Can we ask enough questions to luck? What's our hit luck on understanding these topics? <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean, it's it's been a total blast. And Steve, I think we'll have a, a lot of fun in the coming weeks, uh, kind of working PLV into our show topics, right?
2: Yeah, I think next week we're going to do something more hitter-centric with it, um, which you know is fun. I think you know I, I've, I've said how how excited I am about that aspect of it, and to quantify those things uh, with PLV is super super exciting for me. So pump for that as well.
3: Sweet.
1: Well. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed the full 90 minute primer here. Uh, as always, you guys can uh, follow the show on Twitter at wins above pod. Be sure to go out on picture list, check out the PLV pages that Nick's talking about PL pro coming out on February 21st. Make sure you're in there so that you can get the latest and greatest on the charts, all the exclusive access there. Uh, But that signs us off for episode 87. Another big thanks to Nick Pollock for coming on the show. And thanks to you guys for listening as well. We will talk to you actually next week on our hitter version of the PLV and talk some fantasy takeaways there as well. But with that said, episode 87, thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks, guys.
2: Later.